30 seconds, reality as you know it will cease to exist. In its place, you will find a new dimension, identical to the one you left behind, only slightly better. Take a deep breath and open your mind to the magic within you. This is no ordinary podcast. This podcast is with Richard A teacher once told me, a symbol is worth a thousand pictures. Now, your standard tarot deck contains 78 cards, each one featuring an image containing numerous symbols. So, do the math. That's already a lot of bang for your occult buck. But any single symbol is an all-you-can-interpret buffet of meaning and significance. Let's take water, for example. Water can represent fluidity, emotions, fantasy, the unconscious, healing, femininity, the entire suit of cups, and much more. So if you look at a tarot card and see a tiny puddle by someone's foot, you just added a big dollop of meaning to your tasty tarot burrito. But leaving analysis and interpretation aside for a minute, let's just talk pure numbers. If you're doing a three-card spread from a standard tarot deck, there are 456,456 possible combinations, each combination containing numerous symbols, dense with meaning, interacting with each other, and interacting with the subjective experience of all parties present, what the question is, what those symbols bring to life in you. Now that's one complicated card trick, my friends. That's why today we'll be talking with tarot reader Kevin Pellrine, a founder of the late great Brooklyn Institution Tarot Society, where I threw many a ritual as a young wizard. Through Kevin's work as a tarot reader, teacher, and all-around nerdy enthusiast, he's found an understanding of tarot that I value not only for its depth, but also its accessibility. His intro to tarot classes provide a clear path through an often overwhelming field of meaning, correspondences, and occult history. And in this contemporary moment of occult trendiness, where even your squares friends have started offering tarot readings to anyone with an earshot, Kevin remains a humble and sincere explorer never claiming mastery of superior knowledge of this incredible art. And he's also a chill dude and one of my best friends, so let's turn over some cards and see what fates we might foretell as we learn how to read tarot. Hello, Kevin. Hello, Devin. Welcome to Ritual Space. All right. What's our magic word? Mm, I've been thinking about this, and I think our magic word is key. Key? Mm-hmm. One, two, three. Three. Key. Why key? Why key? Um, Why key key? Why key? <laughs> um, because I was reading this book the other day. I was, I was just starting to read or reread um, uh, Meditations on the Tarot. Um, do you know about this book? <clears throat> it's, um, it's a book by an anonymous author. Um, I think it came out in the 50s. Um, and we think it's by a uh, a monk of some sort, you know, um, probably by Banksy. Catholic, it's definitely Banksy. Yeah, um, <laughs> sponsored by the Pope. Uh, but it's it's a um, uh, it's the, the um, each chapter is a letter, a letter to an anonymous friend, um, and he addresses uh, you know the the context, the content of the letter, you know, of, of the tarot to 
to this anonymous friend. And so it's each chapter is a tarot card. It's one of the, the major arcana cards. And in the magician one that I was trying to read again, um, it's dense and it's really out there. And it's like, Christ, it's like Christian hermeticism is what the book's about, you know? And um, he's talking about the magician and talking about like the tarot in general that the tarot cards aren't secrets. They are knowable. But they're, so instead of thinking of them as like, ooh, the secret occult thing, think of them as keys. And, and other authors have, have talked about the tarot as keys as well. And um, that, they, that a key is something that unlocks the door to something else further down. And so in meditations on each tarot card, you unlock the door. And so it's like they are, they are occult in that the, the, the full meaning can be hidden. But if you meditate on them, you, you, you can shine that light of awareness yeah. and see all the things that are there. Exactly, exactly. So they, they, they reveal themselves to you over time. And so thinking of them as like the key to unlock a whole other path uh, is, is kind of a cool way to think about the tarot. So that's why I chose key. That's one of the interesting things about tarot is I think there's two approaches. And mm. if you read books on tarot, you often hear this idea of meditating on the cards. Yeah. But I think in contemporary culture, especially with the internet, it's more of this approach of what are the correspondences? What does it mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, what does the card mean? And you each card you got to look up and you got your laundry list of yeah. all the different things it means. And that was a big shift um, after I got books for my birthday that you had recommended about tarot. Oh, yeah. cool. And actually learning to read a three-card spread as a story, mm-hmm. not worried about is it just past, present, mm-hmm. future, but saying what is the tableau, which direction do they face, Definitely. and then meditating on them. And there's times that I would do a reading in the morning and I'd be waiting for the train mm-hmm. and I would suddenly be thinking, oh, and this other symbolism, and then this thing, and then that connects to that. And yeah. the more that you dive into the symbolism, the deeper and <clears throat> richer it gets. Definitely. Yeah, and there's, um, there's, there's a, uh, a meditation that um, is outlined in this book that the title's escaping me now. Anyway, um, but wherein you spend um, upwards of a year meditating on the, the major arcana cards. And it's like, you can do it with a whole tarot if you want. But it's like you start with the magician and you basically just meditate on, on this one card every day and just kind of internalize it into your life so much. And then when you, when you spot this card in the real world, you can't force it. You just have to like be thinking on this one card forever, you know, in your head 24-7. And you, when you see it occur in the real world, you stop and go on to the next card. And so it's like then you understand you internalize the card. And I've, I haven't done this like super consciously, but I've been doing something or had a moment in my life and I'm like, what is this, what does this moment uh, correspond to in the tarot? And I think, oh, you know, and then I will have this like personal correspondence to that card. And then then becomes my personal meaning, not just like the meaning. So it's something in your life. It's not like you're walking by a barber shop and you see <laughs> someone in a red cape that's reaching that's up for it. something no. on the shelf, also <laughs> reaching down to grab some scissors, and you go, "Aha! Here we go." But that's uh, but but take that as a symbol. Yeah, to take that as a symbol to like be like, "What is that barber shop all about?" I don't know. Whatever. Everything's a symbol. You can you can follow anything down any yeah. kind of rabbit hole. Cut you want the deck, to. barber shop. <laughs> You look up, that's the title of it. <laughs> um, but, uh, but you can, like, so you can do it in, in, in one, you know, two ways, I guess. You can, like, 
be having a, a moment in your life that's maybe kind of intense and think, oh, what is this? What, what terracotta breast represents this moment? Or you can see the other way around and be like, see something in the world, be like, oh my God, that's, that's the six of wands completely. Mm-hmm. And, and you'll never forget that. So it's like, there's what you're saying about the meaning. Like everyone just wants to know what something means. Everyone wants to like flip to the back of the tarot book and be like, what is the, what does the six of wands mean? Okay, blah, 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 all these things. So there, there definitely is that. And I think it's good to know those things. But there's also like the personal meaning. What does it mean in your life? And that's why I think that thinking of tarot as keys, thinking of them as like unlocking a whole wealth of knowledge and wisdom about something. It's like a song. Like a song means something if you listen to the sure. lyrics and you say, this is what it was originally about. But then for a couple, that song can mean something totally different yeah, because totally. it was playing on their first date and then it played again yeah. at this other key moment mm. and it has its own significance. It's true. It's true. When you when you finally like have the moment where you're listening to the song and you get it, you get what the songwriter meant, you know, like, oh my God, and you start yeah. crying. Yeah. It's like that's that's a very similar moment and feeling to uh, when you just lock in and get the meaning, like the real meaning of a tarot card. There's a lot of crying in tarot. <laughs> there definitely can be. Yeah, absolutely. So let's let's give a little bit of a historical overview right. of how did these funny cards with all of these interesting images come to be pretty much the, the premier league of occult divination in the contemporary world? Whoa, what a question. Well, it... Uh, it started with um, the Waite Smith tarot. It started. It started with. I, I think it started with with the Pamela Coleman Smith illustrating the 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 tarot. You know, known as the the Rider Waite, the Rider Waite Smith, the Waite Smith. I, I you know, there's all this stuff going on about like she doesn't get enough credit, whatever. Right. So that's so Rider was the card company, and then Waite was the yeah. guy who oh, yeah. came up with the ideas. <laughs> but then Pamela Coleman Smith. It now seems did a lot of the design. I mean, she she did yeah. all the illustrations, but it seemed like she was also pretty steeped in the symbols. And well, y- yes, yes, and no. There, there's um, so yeah. Ryder was the publisher. Um, Arthur Edward Waite uh, is the author and the the occultist, the 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 writer, the translator. The you know, he was like very in the Golden Dawn um, contemporaries. You know. Like, Early and mm-hmm. Anyway, so uh, yeah, he he kind of supplied the the content and, and did most of the research, I would say. And he hired Pamela Coleman Smith as um, she she was a, a known illustrator. It's like she, Stan Lee and Jack Kirby. I don't really understand that reference. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, comic World is like completely lost on me. I'm sorry. Uh, it's I, okay. I'll, just... I'll edit it out so it sounds like you said yes. Great joke, Devin. Ex- I know exactly what you mean by that reference. Um, yeah, I mean, so 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 she was definitely like a hired artist, to the, but she wasn't just out of nowhere. She was uh, a member of the Golden Dawn um, at a very low grade. Uh, I think just the neophyte grade. The, the Golden Dawn, the, the Hermetic uh, Order of the Golden Dawn, just for listeners who don't know, a uh, occult order um, in the late 1800s, early 1900s didn't last very long, but has a lasting um, influence on uh, the tarot, especially in occult in general. And they, they, they were set up as like a, a grade system. So you, you kind of like learned 
all the you know the the stuff for the neophyte grade then you graduate to the next level the next level it's like this very like it's a very masonic approach as you clear your thetans you get higher and higher something like that yeah yeah it's um it's and, and and it's where we get like a lot of the um contemporary meanings and and correspondences of the tarot that we use today well, there's, just, there's a lot of these things, I think, in both occult and New Age culture where there's sort of bottlenecks, where there's a, a fuzzy, dispersed set of traditions before, but then someone writes a pivotal book or there's mm-hmm. a crucial group or a movement, totally. and then everything after that is referencing that in some way. It, absolutely. And that, that's definitely what happened. I, I, when I, I teach my um, intro to tarot class, I made this, this slide. It was basically like, all the stuff that was happening pre, you know, Golden Dawn, just like funneling into this like prism, like Pink Floyd, like, <laughs> and then it just like shoots out the other side, and we get like everything else post Golden yeah. Dawn, and that's where you get like New Age decks and you know Oracle decks, Oracle decks, and you know all all this like wild stuff. But it it's like it's all it owes everything. Yeah, basically. the My Little Brony like, Quantum Rainbow. <laughs> Lisa Frank tarot. Healing Crystal, yeah. <laughs> Lisa Frank, Tara, Oracle deck, yeah. But but seriously though, you look at like any deck, any contemporary deck, and you can kind of trace basically all the designs back to the, the designs in the Wade Smith tarot. So to answer your, your question, like why is it that you know the, the tarot is like the Premier League or whatever of, of occult things? And I think it, it owes a lot to the popularity of of that deck that um, you know that Pamela Coleman Smith illustrated. I mean, she there's like I don't want to really get into like the many hours long debates over like what she knew and how she knew it and uh, was she really just like intuiting all these designs? Who knows? Um, what we do know is that the um, there was a tarot deck called the Sola Busca Tarot that um, it is a tarot, but it's also like very different than how we know tarot today but it is a complete 78 card deck it's one of the only like complete decks that we we know of in existence there was like it's, it's from like the 1390s or something you know it's, wow. and um and it was on display at the british museum around the time when they were making the deck and the, it was known they, they went and visited it i don't know if she went on her own or they went together or whatever but it was like those images were clearly you know the, the things that she was referencing influences absolutely and yeah the three of swords is that's where we get the the famous three of swords with the heart with the three swords in it that's from the solo biscotero and like and then she just basically is like that's good or like her and wait were like that makes sense go with it and now every single three of swords after that is some variation of that I mean, this is going to be an even more obscure reference or analogy, but you know, but like Star Wars is so uh, iconic, and there's so many things that refer back to Star Wars. But George Lucas was referencing the space opera serials that you would go see at Saturday morning in the theater. He was referencing Kurosawa's Hidden Fortress. There were all of these other ideas, you know, Joseph Campbell's Hero's Journey. There was all of these other elements that he took together and. Just because you see the similarities, it doesn't mean that it's a ripoff. Yeah. It means that it's part of a, a legacy and it's part of totally. a conversation. It didn't come out of nowhere. Right. <laughs> and I think like everyone, you know, or you know, a lot of people know like the, the popular story that yes, that, that George Lucas read Hero with a Thousand Faces and he's, it's very like Joseph yeah. Campbell kind of story. But he was also referencing all those space hoppers and all those yeah. sci-fi things. And it didn't come out of just like 
oh, here's like a science fiction version of the hero's journey. It came out of all these other things. So, and the same with the tarot. I mean, it's with the, the Wade Smith tarot. It didn't come out of nowhere. It was like, you know, Wade was, was building off um, the designs um, from Elifan Levy and Court de Gablon, you know, like people that like did all this like research in the late 1700s. Like there was like this French occultist revolution in tarot where erroneously, uh, you know, Court de Gablon was like, wrote this whole treatise, you know, and in the treatise there was like, you know, a portion on tarot where he was like, it is Egyptian, it comes from the pyramids, it's written by Toth, it's like, it's like, it's directly related, and it was like, no. Oh, it's like the Hermetic book broken up into a card deck, right? That's the idea. Yeah, 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 exactly. It was, it, yeah, and it's like that each of the, the tarot was like depicted in the inner walls of the tombs. It's kind of like wild shit. It's like, yeah. it's like, it's kind of like, it's out there, but like. It's like ancient aliens. But like no one was, was, was there to be like, no. Everyone's like, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Sure, there's 22, you know, it, they, they just like made these like, these like. Good thing in the modern world we never have crackpot theories that spread. <laughs> oh yeah, totally. We can always look it up online and find the one true absolute <laughs> historical source and not watch any misleading YouTube yeah. documentaries. Oh my god. Yeah. Okay, so aliens invented the tarot. It, yep, it came down from, from the spaceship. Um, as chronicled in the historical film Stargate. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it's just handed down, fully formed to any number of occultists and they just pass it on. Um, okay, let's not mislead our, our guests in the future too much. Um, uh, dear listeners, <laughs> um, we are joking. But that, uh, where is it going with this? Pamela Coleman Smith, the tarot, why it's popular. Oh, anyway, that, that, that it didn't just come out of nowhere. That it was like, it was building upon all these, these um, the, the, the occult revival basically from like the late 1700s to that point, to like the early 1900s. And then what, what Waite was doing with, with his tarot, that he, he, was, he called it the rectified tarot. That he was like, all those guys are wrong. And he talks so much shit about all, in, in his very high-flown, like poetic you know, language that people have a really hard so time. So what the Golden Dawn was really about was a lot of uh, high-flown shit talking. A lot of high-flown shit talking um, and uh, costume wearing and pageantry and literally, I mean, that's why the Golden Dawn existed is because like, they, you know, um, the names are totally escaping me. I'm a bad historian here. But the, the people that, that started the Golden Dawn were, were like, there's not enough pageantry and costumes in, in my secret society. Yeah. I need some more. And they that's they dressed up in the Egyptian costumes and made these Theater costumes. kids. Theater kids. It's total theater. And it's cool. It's great. It's yeah. awesome. It's like not for me. But I mean, it's like, it's, it's important to know where things came from. Well, when you invite in theater, you're going to end up with some drama. Oh, yes. Totally. And there was like almost immediately drama in the Golden yeah. Dawn. It like it splintered off in like a million different sections and Wait was in charge of one of them. Crowley was in charge of another, you know, temple. Uh, you know, Mathers was in charge. It was just like, and, and yeah, a lot of shit. And then a magic about. war was unleashed that looked a lot like <laughs> strongly worded letters. Yeah, totally. If, yeah. Uh, so my question is though, is when this deck came out, was it a hit? Was it an instant thing that it spread, or did it no. slowly build? And... I don't think it was an instant hit. No, and 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 that this is like some mis- misconception that is like somehow sometimes flown around that like 
Wade got all the credit, and he, you know, he made money off the tarot, and Pamela Coleman Smith died in obscurity, and um, they both they both died in obscurity. Yeah. No one made a lot of money off this deck. <laughs> it was not instant hit. It was popular. That's the wonderful thing about the occult. It's, you know, we all know we're all going to die in obscurity, so we can rest easy. You know, and and and, and now I'm I'm really glad that that she's getting the credit she deserves. And there's um there's in fact a, a big art show at the Pratt Library right now, all about um, Pamela Coleman Smith, her her life, her work, her work beyond the tarot. The tarot was one six month job. Yeah. Out of her. You know, a long career as an illustrator, and and so, but it's the one she's most known for. And I think that like, just that fact alone is like that's she made. I think the, one of the most recognizable, widely disseminated works of art ever. And I tell this you know to people in like my tarot class, they would you know it's like if you take it's so well known now that if you I have a dollhouse tarot card set. Yeah. It's it's the Wade Smith tarot, and it's like. It's like a quarter inch high. It's yeah. tiny. I can look at one of those cards from like five feet away and you know what it and is. know exactly what it is. Yeah. And it's like she she made this really kind of iconic deck that um, it was. It's the first modern tarot deck to have narrative scenes on the minor arcana cards. The Solo Busca did that, but in a different way. But first modern deck that did it. And so in some ways, every every deck after that that has pictures. On like the number cards, is owes directly to her, which is uh, my preference. I gotta say, like I think it's cool. Sometimes yeah. I pick up another deck and yeah. it has just the the pip cards are all just five pip, pips. five yeah. cups, yeah. and I'm like five cards. Yeah, I'm on a, I'm on a little I want a little more than that. <laughs> that's you know that's not knocking those yeah. decks. Just my um, preference. Totally, uh, I I like it too. That's how I learned tarot, and and, and, it, and it was kind of made. That deck was made um, to be kind of like the people's tarot in some ways. I mean, it, it, it wasn't directly like that, but it's like, you know, there was a lot of controversy over it. There was like, oh, it's too easy to learn because all these pictures are on the deck. It's giving away all the secrets or, or some nonsense, you know. But um, I like that. It's easy to learn, but it's very easy to get stuck in that way of reading the cards that like, the Six of Swords is always some guy on a boat, you know, pushing somebody along. Like, the, the, the Ten of Wands is always some guy with a ton of sticks on his yeah. back. You know, it's like... Uh, and, and, I, and I think that if you go pre-Golden pre Dawn, pre-Weight Tarot, and, and try to read with, like, the number cards, it's a whole different experience. Mm -hmm. Completely. And you, and you can work more with numerology and Tree of Life or whatever you want to put on it. But it's... Um, I think it's... Uh, it's just an experience, and you can get locked into like, like Waitsmith Tarot Land, and only read that. Way. I like this idea of a very literal tarot reader. So you go, and they're like, "I see in your future a man with a bundle of sticks," <laughs> and oh, be Sometimes. careful! You're gonna spill some of your cups. You gotta be careful. Watch out! There's a snake in your cup. Now let me ask you: How many swords do you have in your bedroom? <laughs> Eight, maybe nine. Yeah, um, yeah. So, so for someone that's listening yeah. to this and is curious about the tarot and they want to, they want to get yeah. into it. How do they start? And what is, yeah. what is an approach okay. that you recommend? Get a deck. <laughs> Step one: um, have tarot cards. And and I and I do think that it is um, a good idea to start with the Waitsmith Tarot because it's because every other modern deck is based on that. If you and I and I think that. 
it's it's worthwhile to know where all those other decks came from so that if you decide that like okay this imagery is not for me i aesthetically i want some other deck which is how i started i got some other deck i got what's my first deck was uh the aquarium tarot mm. um, beautiful gorgeous deck even as heavily stylized as that that deck the aquarium tarot is it owes you know imagery it owes something to to yeah. So it's Smith Tarot, you know? I'd say if you're going to go get a deck, then get that. But if someone just thrusts one into your hand as you're yeah. coming out of a doorway and says, yeah. this is for you, then you can go ahead and use that deck. Absolutely. And, no, absolutely. And there's this whole idea of, like, you should never buy your own tarot deck. You should have it be given. Like, if no, you, you, you want to wait around, like, why wait? Steal one. Steal one. Steal this deck. Yeah. This is my, my forthcoming tarot book. <laughs> Steal uh, this tarot deck. <laughs> So, but yeah, uh, get get a get a Waitsmith tarot. Obtain a Waitsmith tarot. Obtain yes uh, by whatever means you choose, by by any means necessary. (laughs) And um, yeah, and just start looking at the cards and just spend time um, looking at each card. And so, something that I like to do. um, Okay, so as far as like learning tarot, definitely get yourself a book. Uh, I would not recommend getting the Pictorial Key to the Tarot as your first tarot book. Um, that's Waits' book. So yeah, so the pictorial key to the tarot is yeah, it's Waits' tarot book that came out with the deck um, in 1909. It's hard to read. It's annoying to read. I like it because I I kind of like I'm in on the joke a little bit, but like it's um, not it's not not that it's a joke, but like I know the history. I've I've read it so many times. Like I kind of understand where Waits coming from, but it, he's pompous yeah it's he's just kind of like hard he was writing in a, in a high flown like antiquarian style of writing even for the day right even for 1909 people were like this guy is pretentious as fuck but um anyway it's a good book worthwhile not your first book your first book i think should be my recommendation is rachel pollock's 78 degrees of wisdom that is a great book um she is you know rachel pollock is a, is a renowned tarot author she's written a ton, tons of books um, that one is great because it uses the Waitsmith deck as a kind of starting point, but also references other decks. It's just laid out in a really great way that it's like, it's not too, it's not, it's not dumbed down for beginners, but it's also not like advanced degree occultism. It's definitely somewhere in the middle. Um, she touches on Kabbalah, she touches on numerology, things that I don't necessarily use in my readings, but is there for you. And, but she just like, it's like a, it's a book where you can look up a card and read a few paragraphs about the meanings and learn the tarot. Mm-hmm. It, and it's, it's, it's great. But aside from that, yeah, just like what I like to, to tell people to, to, to really learn the tarot is like get your deck and just like pick a suit. Start off, start off easy, just, you know, pick a suit. And so, uh, and lay it out, like literally on your desk, on the floor or whatever. And just um, lay it out ace to ten, say the wands. You know, start from the Ace of Wands to the Ten of Wands, get out all the court cards, the you know, the King, Queen, Knight, um, and Page, and, and just like see, look at like the, the narrative arc of the suit mm. to start there. To see to see the story. Because the pictures are there to help you. The pictures are there to help you like stitch together this story. And so that each each suit kind of has this 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 path. You know, it starts off with the one, the seed, you know, the ace, and then splits off into two. And then, now you, you know, you can talk about balance and duality, and you know, and then move on from there. So, so you can kind of see, you know, where, where it ends up, you know, like the path of cups 
kind of gets dark for a moment and sad because it's like it's emotional and watery and it ends in love. It's beautiful, you know? The path of wands is just like, it's fire. It's just like, go, 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 all in. And then what, what do you end up with that? Burden, you yeah. know, oppression at the end. So uh, it uh, it's a good way to see that. It's also just good to like lay out every, the, the major arcana cards, you know? Um, take the fool out, put it aside, start from the magician to the world and lay them all out in, in uh, rows of seven, three rows of seven. And to see it, because that's how that's how the tarot is. So you don't start with the fool. The fool you consider. No. So so the fool is zero. The fool is number zero. It's it's outside of time. It's outside of Ooh. everything. And so for Lord of the Rings fans out there, I like to think that the, the fool is Tom Bombadil. Mm. He is the, the ring doesn't affect him. He's just living out. He's, he was there before. He'll be there at the end. He just exists. It's not in the regular cut of the movie. Like, he's, he's still mad about that. Yeah. And yeah, so, the, but the fool is, is who travels through and, and learns the lessons along the way of the tarot. And so, but the, so the magician is number one and the, and the world is 21. And you start there and just, and, and kind of imagine yourself as the fool learning each lesson, each, each key mm-hmm. as we go along. I feel like I should say key, like we should all scream real loud, like in Pee-wee. Like in Pee-wee, yeah. And so it's, but it's kind of nice to like imagine yourself as the fool, kind of like bouncing through each one of the cards and be like, what, what is the fool saying to the magician? What is the fool saying to the empress and the high priestess? And, and seeing like, what are the conversations the fool has through as we go. It makes me think of this kid's book, the one that's like, are you my mom? And it's this little <laughs> thing and it's going through and it keeps interacting with these other these other yeah, animals. Yeah, yeah. But imagine the fool walking into each of these scenes and totally chatting with the empress. Yep. Bugging are this, you my mom? Is this upside <laughs> upside down guy. Like, yeah. He's like, don't bother me. I'm hanging in. Yeah. yeah. And it's it's a fun way to learn. It's, it's a funny way to learn. But it's also like literally how the tarot works so i like that as a way to to learn tarot but also i think the best way to learn tarot is to do readings like and don't do readings for yourself do readings for other people Mm -hmm. and if you don't have people to read for talk out loud to like open your voice notes on your phone and just Mm -hmm. like and give a tarot reading out loud because saying saying those things out loud really changes Mm -hmm. how you um, approach the tarot it really helps you like discern the meanings because if you just do it for yourself that's fine it's a whole different experience it's more meditative it's more inner and you can have you know personal bias where you can like lay down three cards and be like yeah 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 yeah, I know what that means but if you're doing it for somebody else you gotta explain, you explain you gotta explain yourself you know? and I think I think what I've found is don't be afraid to tell the story that you're seeing to not worry about the whole yeah. idea of well, what's it like? Is this correct? I've seen so many people give a reading where it's just they lay out the cards and then they make someone wait while they look each one up and then they read the list of things that it means. And don't be afraid of getting things wrong because part of this is about intuition and it's okay to say, this is what I'm feeling right now in this moment. This is what this card is meaning to me and how it seems to be related to the other cards rather than worrying about this perfect definition of what this reading means yes 
Yes, and also I have a caveat on that. Great, because because I, I am, love I love when people push back. I, because I'm just I one am person. kind of a stickler about the rules um, for this, and we are talking on on Saturday Saturns. I'm feeling I'm feeling very Saturnian right now. I'm like, actually, Devin, no, you got to follow the rules. Good people should tell me to follow my podcast more. <laughs> I th- I think it's like it's a mixture of of both the, of of learning learning the meanings from a reputable tarot occult source sure uh, and because because there are uh especially with the major arcana cards like like literal not literal I mean, literally symbolic yeah. um but it, it's it's um very uh historically symbolic meanings to these images that like a tarot card you know a major arcana card especially is like it's not just a pretty picture Everything in the card means something, right? And, and it's there for a reason. And and I think knowing this, the the history of the symbolism in those things is super important. Yeah. And and I, I think operating purely from intuition and being like, actually, I think the Emperor's is more of a masculine card. And you're like, well, <laughs> you, you know, I mean, sure. But no, I'm not saying pure intuition. Yeah. I'm saying that um, yeah. don't be afraid to add. You know, it's like a recipe. Oh, totally, totally. You know, like you can read a you can read a recipe and you can say, yeah, yeah, yeah. "All right, I need exactly yeah. half a teaspoon of this thing," or you can say, "Ah, I'm going to throw in a dash of this and a dash of that." And I think sometimes I see a lot of people go the other direction where mm-hmm. it's so precise and it's so the litany of terms uh, instead yeah, of being yeah. willing to kind of go with yeah. that little dash of intuition. Yes. Um, no, for sure. I mean, I mean, I've seen it also the complete other way too. Right. Where someone's reading purely by intu- intuition and me being like tarot nerd history person being like, actually, what the hell are you talking about? It's like, like, a, it's like a buttery piece of toast, right? <laughs> we, don't, we don't want nothing but butter. That's going to be gross. And we don't want dry toast. No. You want to have spread that intuition Ooh. like a, a nice... Ooh, like a... A, a nice layer. thin layer of melted intuition on a top. Thin layer of marmite. There we go. Maybe a little okay. um, Yeah, but totally, totally. And I, and you know, people ask me this, you know, when they're like, "How do how do I learn tarot?" That do you have to just have the intuition? Do you have to have the gift? I'm like, no, no oh. way. I mean, like tarot is a learnable thing. Yeah, but it sure helps if you're like locked into your intuition and can really let it flow. For me, I'm not that. I was not that person. I'm not like a, a super intuitive, watery person. I mean, I'm a very fire and earth kind of person. But reading tarot for other people helped me tap into my my own intuition. So that when I'm in a reading and I'm just like, I'm just I'm in the flow. I'm going. And I'm like, I'm just gonna say this. I don't, you know, I don't know why, but like, you know, that's your intuition coming through. And and like, I feel like reading tarot has helped me listen to myself more and and helped me be more open with with just um with that intuition for sure definitely and and like but what i was saying but you know you can't be totally pure intuition i think it like it helps to know the the um you know the the technique of tarot uh, to fall back on when you do inevitably freeze up in a reading you're like I just I got nothing you gotta have your butter and you gotta have your bread and then you can alternate <laughs> yeah. depending on what, what you need in the moment right exactly so that brings us to oh. uh, tapping into your your deep rich and creamy intuition mm. for uh, a spell that Ooh. the listeners can do <laughs> um, okay so the spell it's not exactly a spell but more like 
the meditation, getting back to like the meditations on the tarot, what I was thinking, and, and I have not finished this book. I haven't even, I barely even like a third of the way into the first chapter. So I'm not like pushing this book, but the idea of meditations on tarot cards is definitely not new, but it's something I find really rich. So one thing I was thinking of to learn the tarot in an intuitive way, in addition to your book learning I guess toast is the yeah toast is the book and butter is the intuition. Okay, um, <laughs> here's how we make. <laughs> it can also be earth balance if you're vegan. <laughs> it, yeah, olive oil. Yeah, if you want to do um, something smooth and creamy. Um, so to work with with the, with uh, the major arcana cards first, I would say, and and start at the beginning. Sure, start start with the magician, but to set up a little altar space. Um, for for doing this meditation work, and this is something that we've been doing in our our group and on, and privately, but like working more with planetary energies mm-hmm. making, and in the days of the week, it's very it's very like it's laid out for you. Your schedule's all there. You know, it's just like Monday is Moon Day. You know, Tuesday is Mars Day. Okay, cool. We got it's all there. And so what I was saying about the Golden Dawn, like putting um, adding all this like layers of occult meaning on tarot. Um, that we can't, it's, it, you can't, you can't divorce it anymore. It's just too baked in. Each of the, the tarot cards has astrological correspondences to it. So the magician uh, is Mercury. So it's a cool way to kind of learn kind of like the language of astrology, the language of planetary magic, in addition to the tarot. And it helps you kind of internalize the meaning of the card in itself. And so one thing you could do, fill up a little, little altar, and get yourself, you start with the Magician. So the Magician is Mercury, so we're going to start uh, on Wednesday. So Mercury is, is Wednesday. And uh, look up, you know, you can, you can get any number of like apps or books, you know, that give you a planetary um, correspondences with uh, colors and things. Um, the, the iPhone app, The Hours... The, the, the astrological the hours. Nicole Kidman movie, The Hours. Yeah, the hours. yeah it's actually a very deep occult movie. Yeah. Um, planetary Magic. Uh, but no, that app will give you um, the correspondences for each each planetary um, attribute. So like, you know, the, I don't have my phone on me. But anyway, you can look it up. And so and get get the, the right color candle um, and, and anything else you want that, that is associated with that that planet or sign, you know, and get out your magician card on a Wednesday, Mercury day, and like set it up and do a little meditation, like literally like light your candle and sit down and, and you can just kind of let all those, all, all those little attributes just kind of swim around in your head and kind of, and, and then place them in your mind on that card and as a way to find out the different layers of meaning and internalize it as you go. So this can take 15 minutes maybe tops it doesn't have to be like this big long thing but it just helps you like set and tune your 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 intention towards that towards that that world you know towards like the the tarot world and because there's only seven days and there's 21 uh major arcana cards you do it three times you go three times and also like there's like overlapping correspondences so you can start on a, on a Mercury day, start on a Wednesday, and then you got the magician and the hermit and even the lovers, which is Gemini, which is led by Mercury too. So you got like all these three different layers of meaning on the cards that are, that are maybe beyond just the book meaning. And it would help you in a reading, if you're doing a tarot reading, to um, the hermit comes up, for instance, 
be like, okay, the hermit, it's associated with Virgo. Oh, Virgo's ruled by Mercury. There's Mercury correspondences to the hermit. Never thought about that before. And it helps you like have all these different astrological angles on the card that can help you unlock different meanings in different contexts for people. With the key. With the key. Great. So steal a deck, <laughs> get a book, set it up on your altar, mm-hmm. Google these planets, yep. and then look at the freaking cards. Yeah, really, it's really about like the imagery. Because yeah. tarot is a visual medium. And like get the image in your head. And and that's why I say start with a Rider Waite Smith deck, because it's like it's the images are so everywhere. They're, they're so iconic at this point. Put them, put them in your, inside yourself. And then once you see them and they're inside you, you're going to be walking past that barber shop. And there's the magician. There's the guy in the red cape. He's just like, right. yeah. Thank you, Kevin. Thanks, Devin. Talking about tarot can be a bit like learning about sex from a manual. Sometimes it's just better to experience it firsthand. So to book a tarot reading with Kevin, visit kevinpelrine.com slash tarot. And for the true participants of this ritual who have subscribed on Patreon, we have some exciting bonus content where Tevin has done a reading for all of the listeners of this ritual, past, present, and future, that's designed so that you can map your own question and unique challenges onto the reading that he does. To check that out, go to patreon.com slash this podcast is a ritual. Until next time, I'm Devin Person. Keep those cards turning, baby. 